CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! Ah! <laughs> that guy at the end's awesome. I don't know who it is, but damn, he is pumped for some Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's Mayor Rahm. Uh, that's the. I think that's the night he he won in 2011. And then we decided determined that the guy yelling yeah was a, uh, at another event. Well, for Genie Ives, yeah, because it, it sounds just like that random person yelling. Genie Ives is like, and I am gonna run for governor. And you hear this guy, oh hell yeah, <laughs> guys. So seriously, who who would out, out there would be so excited about Rom winning? You know what I mean? It's like. It's like the power elite holding on. I wouldn't even say taking control of Chicago, holding on to Chicago. Oh, who would be so excited? <laughs> well, that guy. Uh, Shout out to Tina on the live stream chat. Tina, welcome. She says, hey, it only took me a thousand one shows, but I finally made it to the live stream chat. <laughs> uh, actually, it's just a thousand and one. Yeah, a thousand. Wow. Mm. Sunrise, sunset. Yeah. Where was that little Danny I once knew? Oh, guys, hang tight. We got a little more singing, and then there's going to be news, okay? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, April 30th, is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our unions or our sponsors, like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. Thank you, Chicago. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. Thank you, Chicago. And, of course, Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke. Yeah, they talk about reefer in this thing. And what to think politically with columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and Maya Dukmasova. Speaking of, Ben, what's the latest column in Chicago Reader all about? LeBron James. Oh. LeBron James, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We haven't talked about this on oh. Uh, on the show this week, I'm trying to think. I believe not. Uh, maybe, briefly, maybe briefly. Maybe uh, briefly. Maybe briefly. But uh, I wrote about LeBron James. And so, uh, Dennis, there's a political end to this. So you're going to allow me to talk about it, even though it's a basketball related. Uh, for some of my pol- uh, really intensely political followers who don't know the world of sports, LeBron James is perhaps the greatest basketball pay- player of this generation. If you didn't know that, by the way, wake up. Where have you been? <laughs> you know, D, I've told you this before. In journalism, you take nothing for granted. Okay? <laughs> there may be somebody out there who did not know who LeBron James was. Now he does. Because who did not know that? <laughs> anyway, uh, I talk about how LeBron James is being used by the right MAGA uh, to fire up 
their base, get them really mad. And then they get into the issue of like, does race matter in America? And how come race doesn't matter in quotes when LeBron James is talking about police shootings of black people, but race does matter when uh, a black conservative like Tim Scott is complaining that he's picked on because he's a black conservative. Just a question I throw out to you, MAGA. You know, I got a feeling after this week's shows, you're not a fan of this, Tim Scott. <laughs> Tim Scott. Starting to learn not that. A fan. Not a fan of Tim Scott. That. But uh, that column and over a decade of Chicago Reader columns from our very own Ben Jarosky are posted. ChicagoReader.com. All right. And if you want to help out this program, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarosky, J O R A V as in Victory S K Y, you can become a bin head. That is what we call avid listeners of this program. A three tier system. You can either be in the alley, the avenue, or live in large on Benny Boulevard. Either way, it's your choice. Go help out the Ben Jarofsky Show or don't. Just keep listening. Do what you want to do. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, April 30th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, what a week it was. Today on the program, a mayor and her alderman, Rauner returns, and so much more. But now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hey, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this heir to Daily Dynasty Indicted Friday. <laughs> Uh, I'm just reading the, the front page of my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered every day. Uh, aired a Daily Dynasty indicted Alderman Patrick Daly-Thompson, who faces seven charges related to loans from Bridgeport Bank, declares, quote, I am innocent. Sun-Times is all over this story. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Sun-Times was wrestling, wrestling with how to explain to the public the millennialistic public. CD, this just proves my point. I felt compelled to explain who LeBron James was on the grounds that there might be some, you know, people out there who don't know who LeBron James is. And, and yet the Sun-Times felt compelled to explain who Patrick Daly Thompson is on the grounds that there are people out there who don't know who it, what a daily is in the city of Chicago. Well, you know, new, uh, new residents of the city may not be aware that there's a family called Daly that ruled this town for years and years. So you see what I'm saying, D? Everybody's got to explain. You got to assume that the public's not that bright and you got to help them out a little bit. I was just having a conversation uh, with uh, Dixon Romeo, uh, which we were dropping as a uh, bonus uh, feature this weekend, a young activist from the South side of Chicago. And he used, uh, referred to Mortal Kombat, a movie. Mortal Kombat D had to explain to me what Mortal Kombat was. Really? Get over here. <laughs> I actually knew that it was spelled with a K, not a C. How about oh, that? there we go. That's all you uh, need to know. <laughs> but anyway, Patrick Daly Thompson. So the Sun-Times is struggling. He's the alderman. He was indicted. We'll get into this later. This is a key part of the week that was. Uh, or oh, what a week. Excuse me. I get the title mixed up. That's <laughs> the COVID kicking in. Uh, anyways, uh, do you... Define him in relation to his uncle, Mayor Richard M. Daly. 
mayor of the city of Chicago that even millennials can remember? Or do you define him in terms of his grandfather, the all-powerful Richard J. Daley, who was mayor of the city of Chicago from 1955 to 1976? Oh, struggles, struggles, struggles. Anyway, aired a Daley dynasty indicted. Wow, a Daley was indicted. That's never happened in the city of Chicago, D. A daily indicted. Anyway, that's just one topic that we're going to be exploring on our weekly show. Oh, what a week. And without further ado, the maestro who leads us on this weekly exploration of the news that has gone down. Yes, yes. The young man from Alton. The man that every single mayor daily that Chicago has ever has calls the doctor. Take it away, Dr. D. Thank you. Name's Dennis, and it's, oh, what a week it was. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not the catchiest title I'm learning. I don't know. We got to work on that title. I like it. Let's get a marketing crew in there, right? Where's our marketing crew for this show? Oh, wait, we got them. That's me. How's it going? (laughs) Okay. Do like a reader survey or something like that. No, a focus group. Let's get some of our listeners together in in a room, you know, give them a Subway sandwich. And ask him. <laughs> so, what do you think? I mean, it, what expl- we call? it explains we're talking about the news of the week or what a week it was. I don't see the problem here. But anyway, <laughs> my name is Dennis. Let's talk to local news. And oh, what a week it was in the city of Chicago. Now, of course, we have bad news to discuss. A couple of shady aldermen, past and present. Well, our former mayor's in the national news again. Well, that's always bad. I just biked around Lake Michigan. But hey, Let's begin on a positive note for a change. What do you say, Ben? Okay, sounds good. What, what possibly could be positive in the news? Well, I'll tell you. And for once, I sincerely mean this question. No sarcasm whatsoever. Ben Jarofsky, how about those Chicago Bears, huh? <laughs> Bear down, Chicago Bears. Now, typically, I don't uh, allow sports talk on this program. But, boy, such a good day for the Chicago Bears last night in the NFL draft. Ben, why don't you explain? Well, the reason why uh, you're allowing me uh, to have this uh, sports interlude is because there's a uh, political overlap. And for about four years, I've been (laughs) ranting and uh, raving about the Chicago Bears, a team I've rooted for since 1966, ladies and gentlemen. That's how old I am. 1966. Gail Sayers, Dick Butkus, Jack Cannon, Dick Gordon, Ed Obradovich. Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. But then as time wore on, I began, you know what? This Bear team's got some issues when it comes to race. And I'm just saying, they never get a black quarterback. And I'm like, in football, there's always that prejudice against a black person playing quarterback. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, they better off as defensive backs, Ben. Uh, they're better off as uh, speedy receivers. We don't want them being the quarterback. I could never understand it. Well, prejudice in the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Get better get used to it. But for me, it was just I couldn't take it anymore when in 2017 the Chicago Bears in the draft chose Mitch Trubisky to be their quarterback overlooking a certain Patrick Mahomes who is, in my opinion, um, one of the three greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. 
They, and I just and that top with they signed Mike Glennon uh, as opposed to Colin Kaepernick. I just said, you know what? I'm through with the Bears. And every year, D, when Patrick Mahomes <laughs> would just light it up, I'd be watching Patrick Mahomes on TV. We'd be throwing lasers. Be running. Guys should be chasing him. We'd be darting around, like throwing off the back of his foot. And then Mitch Trubisky would come out. I'm like, who could look at Mitch Trubisky and look at Patrick Mahomes and say, I think I'll take uh, Trubisky over Mahomes. So I was through with the Bears. And then last night, lo and behold, they drafted Justin Fields, a quarterback from Ohio State, a black man. They actually (laughs) drafted a black man to play quarterback. So I was texting all my friends, I'm back. I'm back on the bandwagon. My friends were like, I can't believe it either. Bears got that reputation. By the way, you won't. I don't think you're going to read that in the sports section. That's the only kind of insight you're going to get from the Ben Jarowski show. It's kind of a touchy subject, whether the Bears are prejudiced against black quarterbacks. So, D, I was so excited. I was singing Bear Down, Chicago Bears. I was doing my imitation of Dick Buckles. Oh, that was good. What was it? <laughs> no words. I like that. My friend Cap said he's so excited. Uh, he was doing backflips. Uh, he says that um, this quarterback it w- is the greatest draft choice the Bears have made since Walter Payton. Oh, I love you Bears fans. So optimistic when the season <laughs> is not going on. You guys are the biggest Bears fans when there's no football being played. Then about a week after actual football is played, ah, screw this team. No, you know, Bear fans, (laughs) the Bears, because Dennis is a good point. He's from downstate. He's a Cardinal fan. God. Anyway. um, Go Redbirds. So Bears, we, we experienced this firsthand, ladies and gentlemen, when we were uh, at the bright one. And uh, they had us, our lovely little studio at the Chicago Sun-Times, just down the hallway from the bathroom. Don't take it personal, Ben and Dennis. Um, anyway, there was, there was the year after the Bears made the playoffs and lost in game one when their kicker uh, <laughs> couldn't kick the field goal. I got an idea. I'll hit the pole and see if I could bounce it in. Oh, God, don't remind me of that. Anyway, uh, but everyone in Chicago was so enthusiastic. This is the year. We barely won. We, yes, we lost a heartbreaker in the playoffs last year, but this year we're going to do it. And they had a pep rally at the Sun-Times. Remember, D? Oh, Remember yeah. the pep rally? There was a cake. <laughs> yeah, with a cake. Who are the only two people in the building not invited to the pep rally? Oh, you no. know it. <laughs> Just... Yeah, it's an oversight, I'm sure. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot those two hippie guys. <laughs> You had a pot smoker and the old guy, the old commie, down by the, <laughs> the bathroom. Oops. Oh, well. Anyway, we heard them. They were cheering and singing. And then the Bears went out and got clobbered. Clobbered by Green Bay. <laughs> Oops. They didn't have a pep rally after that. No. So anyway, Bears, it's rough on Bear fans. You'd be all excited, and then reality hits home. Uh, but speaking of the bright one, you got to give them credit. All right, so. The uh, the football player that the Bears drafted, his name is Justin Fields. And here's the headline. Uh, oh, NFL boy, I feel, I feel a pun coming. <laughs> the bright one. Uh, Justin Time. Okay, okay. Get it? 
Justin Fields is his name. Just in time. Oh, oh, oh. That was, oh yeah. That was just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> anyway, I'm very excited. I'm back in a bandwagon. My beloved Chicago Bears. When's the season start again? Uh, well, the uh, regular season starts in September. All right. So look for uh, a September fall off from Ben Jarowski. <laughs> Damn this team. You know, here's the thing. This is a double. Uh-oh, a lot of sports talk in the Ben Jarowski show today. The dreaded Green Bay Packers. This is something that you may not know if you're a political junkie. So I'm just going to explain this. The rivalry, the, the chief rival, the Chicago Bears are the Green Bay Packers. The team from Green Bay, which is a city in the state of Wisconsin, which is just north of Illinois. Did you guys know you're getting a geography lesson today on the program? You know, come on. I'm like the Sun-Times. I'm explaining literally everything. (laughs) And so that's our chief rival. And they have a great quarterback named Aaron Rodgers. And he and it was a double victory. For Bear fans yesterday, because Aaron Rodgers announced yesterday, the word came out, that he no longer wants to play for the Green Bay Packers. Can you blame him? (laughs) I mean, who wants to be in Green Bay? Sorry, cheeseheads. I didn't mean that. Anyway, Bear fans were already excited over that. And then they got Justin Fields, and they have a little hope. I was kind of hoping they would get Aaron Rodgers. Well, wouldn't that be a move, huh? Somehow or other, bring uh, the Green Bay quarterback to Chicago. Well, I tell you what, guys, if you ever need tips on how to lose listeners in Wisconsin, <laughs> just come here. We got your back. We'll give you all the advice. <laughs> all right. Enough sports talk today. <laughs> but hey, uh, hey, that's good news. You know what I mean? The Bears finally drafted someone decent. Yeah. And, it, it finally did. But wait, there's more good news, non sports related. After living more than a year under this damn dirty coronavirus and all these regulations, mitigations, restrictions, and openings and closings and opens and closings again and more regulations and more mitigations, it looks like uh, we may be able to do things again, Ben. Chicago is starting to reopen. It's true. With the COVID-19 vaccination rapidly making its way across the city, Chicago is loosening its phase four regulations effective immediately as coronavirus cases and the city's positivity rate have fallen. And Ben, I know you've been dying to go, so please try to hold your excitement as we power through this news here. Be a professional. After remaining closed since Labor Day, Chicago's Navy Pier begins its (laughs) phased reopening plan today, welcoming visitors back to the Chicago attraction. The The initial phase, starting Friday today, restores public access to the following parking garages at Navy Pier, Polk Brothers Park, People's Energy Welcome Pavilion, the Pier's North and South Docks, Pier Park, select rides and attractions east in Plaza. All they've been. Oh, my God. You guys can't see him right now. He is jumping for joy. Please sit down. East End Plaza, tour boats and cruises, the new Sable Hotel and select restaurants at limited capacity. In celebration of the reopening, Navy Pier will host a 10-minute fireworks show every Saturday in May at 9 p.m., and guests will be allowed to watch the displays from Navy Pier's open spaces. You know, let me say this. Uh, I understand how important the tourist industry is uh, to the city of Chicago, and I understand that tourists love Navy Pier and that it's considered something that you do when you come to Chicago. So God bless them, man. Why, why? I'm not going to rain on their parade. Okay, now, 
Uh, it's true that as an old guy, I kind of liked Navy Pier back in the day. D, before you were born, Navy Pier was like where hippies went. Oh, do a lot of pot smoking there on the pier? <laughs> a little pier pot smoking? Cool. Many, many years ago, there was a college there. And then, like, when I moved to Chicago in the 80s, it was just kind of this funky place, you know? Go for bike rides, go down to the end of it. You know, nobody bothered you. Very chill. Just the birds. Caw, caw. Those are the birds flying in. And, uh... So then, you know, they, I actually wrote a uh, column for the reader. It's like ancient history uh, about the first attempts to rethink, reimagine Navy Pier. They would do that every now and then. Let's get the brightest minds of Chicago to reimagine. So they reimagined it and turned it into a tourist attraction, a tourist loving. God bless them, D. Okay. I'm not going to rain on that parade. So it's a, it's a good positive sign that we are finally emerging uh, from COVID, even though there's no likelihood at all that I will ever go to Navy Pier anytime soon. Uh, maybe never go there for the rest of my life, Dave. I've spent enough time in Navy. All right, guys, wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, I thought you were going to rain on the parade, <laughs> but I guess not. No, you're not going to. You mean it. Is that That'd raining on a parade? That that was that. No, that's the rain. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, WBEZ. Uh, Dennis's favorite radio station uh, is uh, headquartered on Navy Pier. The last time I was at Navy Pier, I believe I was actually invited to be on a WB. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. They go, uh, get this commie out of here. <laughs> this lefty stuff. Yeah, let us know the next time you uh, appear on WBEZ. I don't think you've been on since, uh, you know, months of just kind of, I don't know, ripping them a little bit, right? No, I love WBEZ. Come on. <laughs> love WBEZ and stop that. Just they got a their weird attitude about sports, you know. But once you get past that, well, can we hear your impression of a WBEZ reporter real quick, though? That'd be great. The Chicago Cubs, how ironic! Very interesting. People actually like sports. <laughs> there you go, guys. Look for Ben Jarofsky's next appearance on WBEZ in the year twenty twenty. Never. Because <laughs> he's never getting invited back. Sports. Interesting. People like it. But guys, Ben, get this. More good news. And Ooh. boy, what a day to be Ben Jarowski. Ben, not only has Navy Pier announced a reopening plan, but venues like the home of your beloved Chicago Bulls, the United Center, is opening back up as well. What do you think about that? I saw the uh, little bit that Lori Lightfoot did, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, with the Bulls mascot and the Blackhawks mascot. I didn't even know the Blackhawks had a mascot. That's how out of it I am. Uh, by the way, just for our uh, political junkies who don't follow sports, the Blackhawks are the Chicago's hockey team. Uh, so anyway, they have a mascot, too. I did not know that. I don't know what the mascot's name is. <laughs> Puck. I don't know what the mascot's It's like a stand. bird or something, right? Yeah, how do you know? I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of see it in my head. I, you know, hold on. Let me, let me. Anyway, they, it was a funny bit. I got to give Lori Life for credit. It was a funny bit, you know. Uh, so yeah, I'm all excited. D, they're going to allow limited seating at the United Center. About five thousand or so people get to go in. I don't know why it took them this long to do it, but whatever. In general, D, I'm not really understanding so many mixed messages about uh, COVID from start to finish. For instance. Probably getting in trouble with all my uh, Democratic friends, but I just 
that uh, Joe Biden's State of the Union speech, when was that? Do you have lost track of time? Tuesday. Was Wednesday. Huh. No, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Ooh, you lost track of time, too. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Tuesday. Whenever it was, it doesn't matter when it was. The point of it, when I watched it, I was struck by how uh, they were still doing social distancing and wearing masks. At the same time, they were proclaiming that we're what we're victorious, we're emerging. You know, I mean, I don't know, D. It's, I bet you every single person uh, in the Senate or the House has the shot, ex- except for the nutcases who are not getting it. Maybe a few Republicans. So, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, why you still wearing the masks? You know, and everybody, like some people are wearing two masks. Ah, a lot of mixed messages going out there, D. And I'm still a little gun shy about this so when i go for my nighttime walks even though the federal government says it's okay not to wear a mask if you've been immunized uh when you go out at uh, outdoors when i see someone coming i take my mask and i I put it over my i don't literally have it around it's like i'm thinking this is really dumb you know what i mean (laughs) it's like it's not really protecting anyone but just i don't know it's been a year in this COVID thing and but I don't, I don't know. That's what I thought, D. I thought, hey, you know, you're sending out the wrong message. I think they just did it because they knew it annoyed the Republicans. Let's make Ted Cruz wear a mask. <laughs> Real quick, <laughs> oh, your Ted Cruz impression. Your te- all, remember, all I got to do is hold your nose and talk. I uh, <laughs> I love cat cone. I'm going to cat cone. That's great. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> did you see him falling asleep? At uh, Biden's speech. Oh, no. He fell asleep at Biden's speech, and then he blamed Biden. It was, bo- it was boring. That's why I fell asleep. Dude, you should, like, apologize for falling asleep. You know, you're not. <laughs> All right. But, hey, thanks to Block Club Chicago, uh, we do have some details on the big changes here. Uh, let's go through them. Now, first off, people will still need to keep six feet apart and wear face coverings, among other protective measures. All right. Officials are also encouraging people to get fully vaccinated to stop the pandemic and fully resume normal life. Restaurants and bars can increase capacity to the lesser of 50 percent or 100 people. Larger indoor venues for seated spectator events, including the United Center, theaters and concert venues can now operate at 25% capacity. Smaller indoor venues for such events can operate at the lesser of 50% capacity or 50 people. Large indoor venues can now operate at the lesser of 25% or 250 people. Meetings, conferences, and conventions are allowed within those rules. Festivals and general admission outdoor spectator events can operate with 15 people per 1,000 square feet. Flea and farmers markets can operate at 25% capacity or 15 people per 1,000 square feet. Places of worship with large indoor venues can operate at 25% capacity. Social events can be held with lesser of 50% capacity or 50 people indoors. If outdoors, they can be held with a lesser of 50% capacity or 100 people i can just picture someone outside with a big list of paper okay what do i do where do i go okay no hold on (laughs) your thoughts uh well first of all no one's paying attention to any of this let's be honest (laughs) (laughs) they they come up they come up with all these ground rules that you can only go this far that far you know like you said i have to say this 
uh, you know, and, and I should be the last person in the world uh, commenting on these things. I'm a little embarrassed to make this confession. We're now a year into the um, uh, the pandemic, and whenever Dennis talks about the different phases, I have that moment, dyslexic moment of panic. Like I can't remember if phase one is the intense one where everything's locked down. I mean, it doesn't, it, are we counting up? Are we going down? You know, I got a lot of issues I'm struggling with. It's a miracle. I've made it this far. The city also announced uh, people who are fully vaccinated, meaning it's been 14 days since they received their final vaccine dose, will not count toward capacity limits at private events like weddings. Ben, I know I just read that, but uh, what the <laughs> hell does that mean? Uh, okay, I I think that means, uh, and talk, by the way, talk about turning to a, a really dangerous source here. A man with dyslexia is going to explain this. I think what that means is if there's a capacity of, a, say, 100 and 50 people are immunized, then those 50 people don't count toward the uh, the capacity of 100. So you could really have 150 people. Get it? So 100 people who aren't immunized and 50 people who are. <laughs> and by, by the way, since we don't have passports, right, which I don't understand that, okay? So we, we get really specific with, like, you can't uh, uh, only 100 people per inch here, you know? you know, They get regulated with the certain distances, which, of course, no one's going to follow, but we're not supposed to have passports. Uh, okay. Like I said, uh, mixed, mixed messages all over the place. So that's what I, that was my struggle, D, uh, with newspapers in general. You know, if I, if I may... I was always attracted when I, when I was growing up, I would read newspapers and I always like the columnists, I would go to the columnists as opposed to the reporters because columnists would had certain freedoms that news writers don't have. News writers are supposed are constrained. There's just like, there's a certain pattern they have to follow. It would like a, a very neutral voice. Uh, and it's, you know, you st they start with the lead, what they consider the most important thing. Uh, and then you back down as you go through, you start to explain the lead, which is really confusing because if you don't understand what the person's talking about in the first paragraph, how the heck you're not going to go pa to paragraph three, four, five. So it's just the whole format of a newspaper lead made no sense to me, but a columnist could take the time to explain things. You know, not assume that you know what it means. So that's a classic case, D, of like, what does this mean? What What is needed next is a illustration of what it, you know. For instance, if you have a wedding party with 100 people and 50 of them are vaccinated, that means you could, you've not reached the limit. Anyway. Oh, we got, we got Tina on the live stream chat. I like the cut of Tina's jib. She's new here on the live stream chat. She says, oh, okay, so now we can shame people for adding to the capacity. Yeah, that'll be coming up <laughs> soon. Don't worry. Do not worry. Yeah. Well, I saw 26 people. I counted it. I saw 26 <laughs> in that building, damn it. What is their problem? Yeah. Good times. Yeah. All right, so that's the good and slightly more positive news. Go Bears! And Ben, can we finally make a reservation to Red Lobster, dude? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Red Lobster for the seafood lover in you. <laughs> and before we go back to the typical bad, sad, and oftentimes tragic news you tend to hear on our program, Ben, we completely forgot to do our song of the week. 
I am outraged to that. And we had a marketing meeting today, if you recall. We went over marketing strategies with our marketing department. And one of the top items on the list was song of the week and how we're going to monetize that. Remember that in the marketing meeting, Dave? I know, but you missed that part in the marketing meeting where they said lie and act like you forgot to do it and then do it in the middle of the show for people who maybe skipped the beginning. You forgot you you were gone for that part. So, but you do have a song of the week, uh, piano man by Billy Joel. Thanks Frank. Um, hold on now. Hold on. I actually know this song came out in the 70s of course i don't know what mortal combat is but i know what piano man is we'll talk about mortal combat later sing me a song i'm the piano man sing me a song today it's got one of the worst rhymes ever it goes and there's davy who's in the navy (laughs) i'm like come on billy davy who's in the navy ah could you come up with a better rhyme? I mean, Davey, who's in the Billy Joel, is like, oh, I need a rhyme to get from here to there, honey. <laughs> I imagine Billy Joel writing his songs the way Rahm Emanuel writes his uh, op-ed. Pieces. I completely honey. forgot. I completely forgot. Yeah, in the WCPT days, uh, you you let it be known that you're not a Billy Joel fan. I forgot all about that. Yes, not a Billy Joel fan. Took a lot of heat, as I recall. May had some. Re- it may had a. It may had a hand in me getting fired. D. Good. Damn. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, Dude, uh, bro, what's wrong with Billy Joel, bro? <laughs> <laughs> He's the piano man, bro. That's a real inside joke, yeah, bro. Our old manager at WCPT. All right, uh, so let's get into the city or the the not so positive news here. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times in David Struitt. We have more follow-up on the botched police raid known as the Anjanette Young case. The time in 2019 when Chicago police. Uh, and a group of all-male police officers barged into the wrong apartment and wrongfully handcuffed Anjanette Young while she was naked. The Chicago Police Oversight Agency says it found, quote, significant deficiencies in the department's policy and training on search warrants while reviewing a raid on the home of Anjanette Young. The Civilian Office of Police Accountability did not publicly detail the deficiencies, but an agency spokesman said COPA reviewed nearly one hundred allegations of misconduct stemming from actions of more than a dozen officers. He did not say what the allegations were or how many were sustained. All the allegations are detailed in a report COPA has submitted to Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown, who will decide whether to bring administrative charges against the officers. COPA said it will release the report's findings after Brown's review. Mm. Yeah, the um, if uh, you're want to hear more about the engineer young uh, raid we talked a lot about this uh, when it was going down uh, in particular mayor Lori lightfoot's uh, reaction to it uh, check out the interview that we did with engineer young and we dropped that a couple sundays ago uh, but um gee i uh, this is very disturbing all kidding aside all jokes aside uh this article that was in the sun times uh and they the things that they, they just mentioned in passing and just to remind everybody uh uh, Dennis gave a bit of a reminder of this took place. When was it in 2019? Mayor Rahm was still mayor. Uh, Lori Lightfoot was running, I think, in the runoff against Tony Perkwinkle. But the, much of the litigation 
that uh, in the, has happened during Mayor Lori Lightfoot's watch. So the raid happened under Mayor Rahm's watch, but the litigation, the stonewalling, uh, the gaslighting has occurred during Mayor Lori Lightfoot's watch. So just so you know, uh, great traditions of Chicago mayors. Uh, the COPA investigation found that Anjanette Young was handcuffed immediately after offers arrived. And just remind everybody, she had just stepped out of the shower, so she's naked. These officers come uh, knock, blasting through her door, knock down the door, uh, and then they discover her. Within 31 seconds of entry, I'm reading uh, the Sun-Times story again. An officer tried to cover Young with a jacket, and 14 seconds later, she was covered more fully with the blanket. I'm like, 31 seconds? I don't know. You know, you, you <laughs> just you burst into someone's house. 31 seconds is quite a long time to be staring at someone who's naked. And it, I just feel as though, gee, there's just, like, there's a lack of humanity here. I mean, it must have been pretty obvious that you had gone to the wrong house. 31 seconds. Just count it down, folks. And then another 14 seconds. Like they, so they put the blanket uh, around her uh, and uh, no, a jacket, which didn't fully cover her up. So then another 14 seconds lapse. And this is the part that always got me. I've mentioned this all the time uh, back when this story broke. Quote, Young was handcuffed for nearly 10 minutes before she was allowed to dress and then was handcuffed again. I always talk about that. Young was handcuffed for a total of nearly 17 minutes before officer left her home. Why? Why would you handcuff her again? So you got her handcuffed for 10 minutes. If you see the video, she's bent over trying to cover herself up and uh, and then they go, you know, maybe we'll let her get dressed. By then it's pretty obvious that you're in the wrong house. She's telling you that, you know, it's an, like a, a mistake, but no, handcuff her again. Let's humiliate her a little more. I just, I don't get it. And um, it's clear that Anjanette Young was no danger in any way to the, the police officers. You've got, what, 14 police officers all armed? You've got a naked woman? There's nobody else in the house? Why would you handcuff her again? These are, quote-unquote, little things, but they add up. You know, and then we have... Moments like the Anthony Alvarez case, which is the adjoining uh, article adjoining um, this Anjanette Young story where Anthony Alvarez is running from the police officers and they're chasing him down an alley and they ha- he has a gun in his hand. And we don't even know why they were chasing him. And there's something clearly I people talk about the training. This is a conversation I had with uh, Dixon Romeo a young activist in Chicago and is dropping tomorrow. And he was talking about, you can't reform it. Can't reform the police. Uh, you know, he is, um, his, his attitude is a little hard, harder than mine on this, but I'm like, what in the world is just like common sense? Why would you handcuff her after you allowed her to dress? What do you think she's going to do at that point? Anyway, D, that's that was my thoughts when I read this uh, this story. I was like, 
Oh, Chicago, Chicago. My hometown. Not really, but my adopted town. All right. And before we move on here, just like clockwork, Team Billy Joel has joined the live stream chat. Jay Marie says, love Billy Joel. What's wrong with Billy Joel, Ben? Come on. By the way, just to say, I will address that. Uh, there's someone, if you can hear it, hammering. <laughs> yeah, I thought someone was just taking their time walking up your steps. Uh, let me just look and see who it is. Hold on. All right. Hey, we're doing a show here. Can you not hammer? <laughs> yeah, go go hammer in the other alley. I dare you to talk to someone like that with a hammer in their hand. Yeah. If I had a hammer. <laughs> Sorry. It's a song from the 60s. All right, moving on in today's oh, Billy Joel. What's the matter with Billy Joel? I, you know, Jay Marie. I don't know. He's had. I think he's got like three good songs, and everything else is just kind of like stretching it. I, what can I say? I I'm got not a Billy Joel fan, and you know, I'm right there with you, Ben. I don't like the guy either. <laughs> you know, not a Billy Joel fan, like Elton John. Wait, did Elton he sing John. that for the longest time song? Fall not a fan of that song. That song's time. really annoying. Is that no, Billy Joel? My head. Uh, what song do I like by Billy Joel? I used to like Piano Man, and then it was played 415 billion times. <laughs> a great song from 1973. Billy Joel's Piano Man. All right, more, more Chicago news in today's Oh What a Week It Was, brought to you by Random Hammering and Billy Joel. <laughs> Another day, another Chicago politician abusing their power. It's time for another episode of everyone's favorite daily Chicago political soap opera. It's episode 453 of A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Today's episode of A Mayor and Her Alderman is starring Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson. Ben of what ward? 11th. Come on. What a Come nerd. <laughs> no, that one's easy. Uh, <laughs> that one is really easy. The 11th. We'll get into it. Why it's so easy. Go ahead. My coworker, the dork. Uh, <laughs> the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Tim Novak and John Seidel. Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson, a nephew of one former Chicago mayor and grandson of another, has been charged with making false statements and filing a false income tax return. He is the highest profile figure. Uh, to face criminal charges in a case involving a clout-heavy Bridgeport bank that was shut down over what authorities say was a massive fraud scheme. Thompson, Ben, you know how old he is? Take a guess. Um, okay, Patrick Daly Thompson. Uh, I could do this, D. I could do this. It's the next generation down. So I am going to say he is, uh, I'm going to do it about, I say he's about 50. 50. How you feel about that 50? You feel final answer? Final answer. Uh, about 50 is what I said, but uh, do I have to be precise? Thompson, 51 years old. Come on. Is that about 50 or what? That huh? is that is about 50. 
It's about the uh, best way you can answer that without uh, being correct and kind of seem correct. About 50, 51 years old, faces prosecution on seven, count them seven, charges involving Washington Federal Bank for Savings. The federal indictment made public Thursday accuses Thompson of, quote, falsely representing on five years of income taxes that he paid interest on money he received from Washington Federal, even though he knew he did not pay interest in the amounts reported on the returns. Thompson got $219,000 from the bank between 2011 and 2014 before he was elected to the Chicago City Council in 2015 through a, quote, purported loan and other unsecured payments. He made one repayment on the loan, but then stopped making payments and he failed to pay interest on the funds he received. He made one payment on the loan, but failed to pay any interest. After federal regulators shut down the bank in December 2017, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation tried to collect the money from the alderman, according to prosecutors, who said Thompson said he owed only $110,000 and that he'd use the money for home improvements. In a written statement in response to the charges, Thompson denied doing anything illegal. Now, I have some quotes here from Thompson, but Ben, your thoughts here. Well, many, many, many thoughts, and I I, um, uh, I let off the show uh, with uh, referring to this story. First of all, I give a shout out to Tim Novak of the Chicago Sun-Times Bulldog investigative reporter. This guy has been working on this bank uh, scandal story for ages. It seems like uh, you know, every other Sunday there'd be a front page story in the Sun-Times about the bank. So Tim Novak, uh, my hat's off to you. Uh, very great job. He's been on this. Um, wow. There's political angle to this. Uh, there's the corruption angle to this. Let me just talk about the dailies in the city of Chicago. And it just, it, it's, it's kind of dated because it's now been, what, 10 years? Good God, is that possible? 10 years since Richard M. Daly stepped down to be replaced by Rahm Emanuel. And so the, the name Daly has kind of lost its allure in the city of Chicago. Uh, before Richard M. Daly, there was Richard J. Daly. So the Daly's ran Chicago from 1955 when Richard J. Daly was elected. 1955, ladies and gentlemen, I was even I wasn't even born yet. Damn, that was a long time ago. <laughs> 1955 to 2011, when Daly left and handed off to Rom. I was just can we I just can I just pause and remind people about this? This this is this is the Chicago mentality. You know, Daly, no, everybody was afraid to challenge Daly, Richard M. Daly. He was considered unbeatable despite all the corruption. This is this is the, the, the really frustrating part of the Chicago mentality. Chicago voters. They just kept vote for Daly, always vote for Daly. Corruption comes, corruption comes. No, they get this feeling that the only reason Chicago is is like operating trains are running garbage is picked up you know it's because daily you know ken davis and i joke about this all the time he kind of buys into it a little bit kenny d i push back it's a give and take there but this this investment that chicago has with daily and it's now been so when that last daily left they cut a deal this is so unbelievable they cut a deal where uh, Daly steps down, 
Rahm Emanuel leaves the White House because Obama couldn't take another minute with him as chief of staff of the White House. Can we just get Rahm out of this? Rahm, you're driving me crazy. Uh, I can't stand you. Uh, Ate your guts. So they move him to Chicago. Hey, let's make him run for mayor of a city he knows nothing about. And Bill Daly, Mayor Daly's younger brother, moves over to the White House to replace Rahm. And everybody thinks this is law. Well, it makes sense to me. And then Chicago, they elect Rahm Emanuel as their mayor, even though he knows nothing about the city of Chicago. Just starts cutting deals, getting his cronies rich, telling us to shut up and do what he says, closing mental health clinics, closing schools. Chicagoans... They approved it. It was like this inside deal, and we were the rubber stamp. City of Chicago was the rubber stamp. So while this is going on, you know, Patrick Daly Thompson uh, was making his way up the ranks. He was uh, a young lawyer. Uh, he got uh, elected to the Water Reclamation District. You know, he's working his way up the ranks. Oh, everybody's whispering. Here comes the next Daly. This is going to be the next mayor. Who's a daily? And of course, people are going to see that name. Chicagoans are going to see that daily name and go, I am a robot. I will vote for daily. <laughs> Chicagoan, man, you guys are kind of weird. I just, Chicago, sometimes, I don't know, Chicago, look in the mirror every now and then. Just think about <laughs> the way you behave. Yeah. I mean, goddamn, you have daily, daily, daily. I'm going to vote for this guy. And it's just assumed. You know, you talk to reporters like, oh, well, the next day, like, he's clearly going to run off or, you know, mayor, he's gonna, probably going to get elected because they see that daily, daily, daily did a good job, Ben. You have to say that. You have to say that. Come on, Ben. They always people get mad at me. Come on, Ben, say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Anybody can. The trains would run anyway, even if Daly wasn't the mayor. So they all thought Patrick Daly Thompson was going to be the next mayor and Turns out he was, to put it mildly, a little sloppy. He claimed that his income tax, uh, he deducted from his income tax uh, money that he paid in interest that he never paid. Oops. So that's, uh, you know, that ends the daily. I guess that's it, D. That was Mark Brown's column. We'll get into that in a little bit. That's it. No more dailies. No more daily mayors in Chicago. How are we going to deal with that, Chicago? You okay with that? I know you're breaking out in a sweat. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot kind of acts like daily. You know, she's got that temper. She turns people's microphones off in the city council. She disagrees with them. You know what I mean? She gets angry at you. Gets this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Chicago, you know, so they're like, yeah, it's kind of like Mayor Daly. Close enough. They're like a mayor that's mean. That's Chicago. We're a tough city. We're tough. We like mayors who are mean. Once again, so, Alderman. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So sorry, man. So sorry. No. So I'll just close it by uh, wherever. I'll leave, let you go into your back to your story by just saying, I'm looking at this picture of Patrick Daly Thompson. Uh, and they got a picture. I think it was the worst possible <laughs> Photo, the Chicago Sun-Times. Let's really rub it in his face. <laughs> anyway, Patrick Daly Thompson. 
a little bit of trouble. But D, uh, as he points out, it's not for anything he did as an office holder. Isn't that correct? All right. We have quotes here. Once again, uh, Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson charged with making false statements and filing a false income tax return. Uh, Let's read the quotes here from the Alderman. First quote. I'm very disappointed by the Justice Department's decision to return an indictment against me today for an inadvertent tax preparation error in my incorrect memory about the amount of a personal bank loan. Next quote. I discovered the tax error and paid the small amount of taxes I owed. When the bank provided me the documents showing the actual amount of the loan, I promptly paid it back. Both matters were resolved before there was any government investigation. I want to make two points. Thompson said, first, my conscience is clear. I did not commit any crime. I am innocent and I will prove it at trial. Second, I am first and foremost a public servant. The charges in the indictment do not relate in any way to my public service or to my professional life. I remain 100% dedicated to serving the people of Chicago to the best of my ability. I have complete confidence in our system of justice and look forward to showing that the accusation is false. If convicted, he could face a maximum of 30 years in prison for making false statements to the FDIC and three years in prison for each of the false tax returns, according to authorities. Mm. Yeah. And for a different point of view, this is an excellent sentence uh, constructed by Mark Brown in today's Sun-Times. we got to give credit to Mark Brown. Uh, and I will now read it to you. <clears throat> this is a rebuttal to Patrick Daly Thompson. Uh, Thompson for now at least, is a lawyer. How exactly he thought he was entitled to take a tax deduction on mortgage interest payments that he hadn't actually paid is just one of the many head scratchers of this case. So I would say that what Patrick Daly Thompson issued in his statement is is along the lines of a filibuster. Harumph! (laughs) Avoiding that central issue. What, what made you think you could deduct interest payments on your taxes, even if you hadn't paid the interest and made those payments? Now, whether that warrants, if he did it, 30 years in the, the clink, I don't know. That's kind of, that's, I don't think, I guess that's the maximum. I don't think he's going to face that. Uh, and uh, so, yes. Important point. It's not like, let's say, ooh, uh, I don't um, Tom Keene, for instance. I just thought of him. He was Mayor Daly's floor leader, Mayor Richard J. Daly. Oh, God, we're going way back. Uh, who went to uh, prison, federal prison, for a complicated uh, corruption case in which he purchased land, allegedly. No, take, I guess he did it. Uh, he he purchased land knowing that the city was going to need to buy the land for some kind of project. So that's kind of like using your power to enrich yourself. That's the distinction Patrick Daly Thompson is making. I didn't take a bribe. You know, I, I didn't use inside information. So it's not real corruption. It's negligence. So that's his his argument, D. 
All right. Well, from Chicago Alderman present to Chicago Alderman past, no one is safe in the city of Chicago. <laughs> this also comes from the Sun-Times and John Seidel. The headline reads, former Alderman Ricardo Munoz charged by feds for allegedly using Progressive Reform Caucus money on personal expenses. <laughs> Prosecutors allege the one-time veteran alderman used its accounts as a personal piggy bank, stealing thousands to pay for a relative's college tuition, skydiving excursions, travel expenses, a hotel stay, and even, aw, at Lover's Lane. A 29-page indictment made public Thursday also indicates that Munoz's behavior continued even after the Fed's aggressive pursuit of public corruption had blown into full view in November 2018. Now Munoz faces 15 counts of wire fraud and one count of money laundering. His arrangement had not been scheduled as of Thursday afternoon. His attorney, Richard King, said Kling, my apologies, Richard Kling, said he had not yet seen the indictment and wanted to read it before commenting. Munoz late Thursday afternoon responded to a text message about the indictment with just reading it now. And it says here, Michael Rodriguez, uh, 22nd Ward, Munoz's handpicked city council replacement, issued a statement. He said, I believe in restorative justice practices and Ricardo Munoz has restoring to do. In the last part of his time in office, his actions and decisions caused harm. I am saddened by what has occurred and wish for him full recovery from his addictions while he takes the steps necessary to restore justice to those who have been wrong. Well, I have to talk a little bit about Rick Minos. I've known Rick Minos for a long, long time. Uh, he was one of the quote-unquote progressives in the Chicago City Council. In the old days, used to call him independents. They've gone from independents to progressives to socialists in some cases. And um, this is not the Rick Minos I knew, which either means I was blind to what was going on right in front of me, or uh, he went through a radical transformation uh, and uh, our kids went to the same high school. I'm going to really uh, knock out the fourth wall. And so, and they were both played basketball. And uh, I would see Rick Minos at the gym, and we go, you know what? We're just going to be two dads in a gym. Just two dads in a gym. Talk about basketball, talk about our kids. Uh, they didn't really do a lot of political talk at these games, D. Just two dads in a gym. So this hurts. And the article says that, well, uh, he was an alcoholic uh, and his marriage was falling apart and he was drinking and his life just spiraled out of control. Uh, but it really hurts, and, you know, because when you're an independent and when you're a progressive, you're standing up to the business as usual mentality of the city of Chicago. And you got to be like squeaky clean because there's such a cynical attitude depraved attitude in the city of Chicago that everyone's corrupt and they were all just phonies and frauds and hypocrites. That's kind of the Chicago mentality. That's why Chicago, we, I talk, I tease you, Chicago, you all vote for all these dailies, daily, daily, daily. You know, you vote for your alderman because he gave, he gave me a garbage can, Ben. <laughs> You know, and you don't care if they sell the parking meters. You don't care if they've uh, they got these front operations where companies that are white owned are getting minority contracts. You don't care about the hired truck. You don't care about TIFFs. 
millions and millions of dollars that are supposed to go to poor neighborhoods, go to rich neighborhoods. Yeah, you don't care. Garbage gets picked up. Streets paved. Come on, Ben. Why you got to be such goody two-shoes? And so the notion is like anybody who criticizes it is probably just as bad. We just don't know about it. And so a guy like Rick Munoz is caught doing these dirty deeds. It just, it makes, makes, you know, the do-gooders look bad. And just feeds that cynicism that people have in the city of Chicago. Well, everyone's corrupt. And you're all full of it. And you're all like daily. And that's just that pervasive attitude. I don't know if it's, you know, I, I get the sense that, that there's new people coming to Chicago. So I don't know how, uh, you know, how strong that notion is, how uh, pervasive it still is. But it was really here and alive in the 90s and the O's. Chicagoans just like had this view of themselves as operators. And they knew how the game was played and they were playing the right game. And this is how you get ahead. And anybody who criticized them was written off as an idealist or a commie or a hippie. And Rick was one of the few guys. He would just shake his head at it. And it turns out he was kind of playing the game himself. He got caught up with it. His life spiraled out. It's, I, I saw Chewy Garcia. It's a congressman, Jesus Garcia and Rick Minos were, um, Oh, my goodness, they were political allies going way back. Uh, Rick Minos got a start with Garcia. Garcia was the alderman, and Rick was his aide. And then uh, when uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia went to the state Senate, Minos became the alderman of the 22nd. Uh, and so the uh, Chuy Garcia's comment, now he's a congressman, of course, from the 5th Congressional. His comment was, well, I feel really bad because Rick Minos' life uh, spiraled out of control because of alcoholism and his drug dependency, et cetera, and so forth. So maybe that's that's what happened to him. But uh, it uh, it does not do the cause well, D, you know, and um, I know there's some people out there going, Ben, come on, it's not fair. Just because Rick Minos uh, stumbled does not mean all independence progressives uh, are bad. I understand that. I understand that, but it's going to be used against you. And by the way, if you got you, it, it, you want to blast the past, uh, Mick Dumkey and I for years did uh, a first Tuesday at the hideout. Now I do with my Duke Masava. We had on our stage in 2014, D, one of our first shows, Rick Munoz and Danny Solis. <laughs> uh, if you want to have fun, go back and watch that <laughs> that episode. Both of them, like now we're both in trouble. I don't know where Danny Solis is. He's in witness protection, I guess. I don't know. Mr. Solis, what's that hanging out of your shirt? It looks like a a lump. What is that? Are you okay? That's the microphone. You know, and it's funny. I've, I've, I've often wondered, was he wearing a wire when he was on the stage with us at the hideout? 
Not, I mean, it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because obviously uh, our shows are were taped and put on the internet. But I'm just wondering if, like, you know, if he was already an operative for the feds and he just didn't have time to take the wire off as he, you know, ran from uh, like a cocktail with Ed Burke. Oh, I got to get over to those hippies at the hideout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I still got the wire on. <laughs> In which case, the FBI is listening to me and Mick. You know, who are these freaks? <laughs> uh-huh. No, they're probably like going, oh, the, the Mick Dunkey guy sounds really reasonable. Who's that other hippie? Uh, anyway. Mr. Munoz, I just noticed uh, eight $100 bills just fell out of your pocket. <laughs> you can drop oh, that. Pick it up, sir. Now, having said all that, some of the details in the bright one, very interesting, Dean. And, and uh, I got to admit, you remember I said that you always have to explain what something is because you can't assume that people know and like, but people assume what they know. Everyone knows and that you're dumb if you don't know it. So like, Ben, you don't know what mortal combat is <laughs> good, you know? Uh, but you know, my attitude is what you never heard of Janice Joplin. <laughs> I had to explain that to a millennial the other day. They know it. So here they go. Um, D, uh, on February 12, 2019, Munoz allegedly used the Progressive Caucus debit card to spend $160, I think, yeah, $160 at Lover's Lane. Confession time, I have no idea what Lover's Lane is. Oh, I was going to ask you, what is Lover's Lane, and should I take my girlfriend this weekend? I, I, it's capital L, capital L, love, capital L Lover, and capital L Lane. So obviously it's something, <laughs> you know, it's not like, like lover's lane, but with those lowercase L and lowercase L, like just like the part in the beach where people go to make out, you know, like, uh, just, it's something very specific. I don't know what it is, D. Oh, it you looks know? like a, a business. What is it? I mean, is it a spa? Is oh it boy. A- oh boy. It's a, uh, it's a business for, uh, you know, you know, like, uh, intimate products. You know what I mean? Ooh. Oh, that. <laughs> hey, come on, bright one. You could have spelled it out. John Seidel wrote it. Ben, everyone knows what lover's lane is. Ah, I didn't know. It's, now they're all laughing. <laughs> you didn't know. And then there's this other one. Uh, in November, December 2018, the indictment alleges Munoz also used Progressive Caucus debit card to pay for Southwest Airline tickets, Los Angeles Kings tickets. I didn't know he was a hockey fan. Why would he go to see a Kings game? And a Los Angeles Crown Plaza hotel stay as well as at Eddie V's Prime Seafood. And I got to tell you, I've been in Chicago a long time. My first thought when I saw Eddie V's Prime Seafood is Eddie Verdoliak? Has a restaurant, Eddie V, Eddie Verdoliak, was a legendary alderman from the 10th Ward of the south side of Chicago. Very powerhouse in the 80s, chairman of the Democratic Party. He got in trouble, too. I think he may be in either in federal prison right now or fighting to stay out of federal prison. So I'm like, Eddie V's got a, 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 a seafood restaurant? <laughs> well, I had time to look that up. Google. Google makes everyone smart. And I discovered it's a chain and it has nothing to do with Eddie Verdoliak. D, did you know about this chain? No. Is it the guy from Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder? <laughs> well, it's not Eddie Vedder. Oh, For damn. 10 trivia points, what town was Eddie Vedder born in? Cicero. <laughs> Evanston. Damn it. I think I went to high school with his brother. 
Okay, and after learning about Lover's Lane, no, I am not taking my girlfriend there this weekend. I got you a gift certificate for Lover's Lane. Oh, what a sweetie. (laughs) So, uh, man, I'll I'll tell you what. Rick was always like one step ahead of me in terms of knowing what was hip. So he's from the southwest side. And I'm shattering the fourth wall here. Uh, he's from the southwest side. One time, Ben, let's go have some burgers. So he took me to a burger place on Belmont, which now I'm forgetting the name of it. And he couldn't believe I'd never been there. He was like, you live on the north side? You've never been here? Kumas? Yeah. How do you know about it? I yeah. live in Chicago, dude. <laughs> the only time I've been to Kumas was with Rick Minos. I needed a guy from, where is it, Little Village to get me to Kumas. Anyway, like I said, I like Rick. It's fun to have a burger with. Hope he gets his uh, uh, life back together again, Dean. All right, more news to discuss here. We're having a good time. Finally, in Chicago, aldermanic news. That shouldn't be dramatic, but because it's Chicago, it most definitely was. We can't help ourselves, people. Chicago alderman on Thursday endorsed renaming Outer Lakeshore Drive from Hollywood Avenue to 67th Street in honor of Jean Baptiste Point du Sable over Mayor Lori Lightfoot's objections during a profanity-laced meeting that fueled charges of racism. Ben, I know you've been following this story. Before we go any further, your thoughts on renaming highways and this potential name change on only a portion of one. You know, I, um, I don't know. You know, uh, naming uh, Lakeshore Drive for DuSable. I understand the city wants to honor DuSable, the man who found the Chicago. I don't know. That gets all the issues. Well, they were Native American here already. So, um, I don't know. It just, it, it just seems like trivialities on the part of the city uh, council when I think of all the immense problems. Uh, that Chicago is confronting right now. Yeah, especially in like the last year. We've got a pandemic we're trying to, you know, come up over. Like, hey, let, let's just not worry about renaming. Uh, this crisis of uh, people getting shot. And then people go, Ben, you, you know, we could do two things at once. And uh, I just, um, I don't know. If, if uh, I mean, if it's a street that's named for somebody whose reputation has been tarnished by time, yes, change it. Uh, if it's somebody who has not been honored at all and is worthy of being honored, uh, yeah, change it. Uh, but you know, like the outer drive, like sure drive, that's what we know it all is. I, D I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what you guys, I, I have a feeling we're going to be discussing this. Dave Clawitz is coming on the show next week. I got a feeling we're going to be playing, uh, some of these clips. I would like to see some passion over the TIFF program. This is my thing. I've been writing about it for some of these ultimate are so passionate about it. This is a program that's intended to help the poorest of the poor. And it goes to the richest of the rich. When are we going to have a passionate argument about that in the Chicago city council? Instead, they routinely approve it. So, you know, D it's just like, I've watched a lot of political drama at the city council down through the years. And uh, it just sometimes seems like people, it's like that scene in, um, oh God, I'm really going to date myself with this one. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a movie that I'm sure absolutely. No, that's a great movie. That holds up. Okay. Does it? All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great flick. 
and uh but the 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 inmates in the um the mental institution are fighting with nurse ratchet over how many cigarettes they get remember that and that's their lives are so controlled by nurse ratchet that this is what the the bigger f- issue is that they're stuck in this institution institution you know and uh against their own will in many cases and they're fighting over the right whether one cigarette or two cigarettes and it's just like you know when it just really uh highlights the point when sometimes you have nothing the things you fight over are relatively trivial compared to these immense problems police shootings the carnage in chicago we're fighting over uh, naming the street. I don't know. What can I tell? And then they dismiss. I remember when uh, Mayor Rahm, who was a Bishop uh, Brazier. God, I'm really showing my age here. Uh, <laughs> Bishop Mayor Rahm wanted to name a stretch of Stony Island uh, for Bishop Brazier. This is like 18, uh, 2013 or something around there. He was, he was in trouble uh, for having closed schools and black neighborhoods. So he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll take Stony Island and I'll rename it uh, for Bishop Razor and all the black people on the South side will love me. And then a lot of the residents were going, we're going to have to change our uh, envelopes. We're going to have to change our business address. You know, <laughs> it was widespread opposition and he just kind of walked away from it. So you're having some of the same complaints from people who live on Lake Shore Drive. We're going to have to change our address and the aldermen are minimizing that. So I don't know. Alderman David Moore, Ben of what ward? Come on. Come on, Dennis. Come on. 17. 17. Uh, Alderman David Moore led the charge on the highway name change, and he unleashed what Franz Spielman and the Chicago Sun-Times called a tirade in response to a substitute ordinance proposed by the Lightfoot administration that sought to clarify which sections of the outer drive were or were not impacted by Moore's proposed name change. And boy, I hope we have audio from our good friend David Gloads with these quotes as well. Uh, we have the quotes, David Moore at point said quote this is racist bullshit more only became more incensed when deputy transportation commissioner tom carney argued it was quote not uncommon to clarify from a legal standpoint what portions of a roadway would be impacted by a name change and that the outer drive is quote not a legal des- uh, designation uh more responded that's fucking bullshit <laughs> Foul mouth. These people in the city of Chicago. Uh, at that point, Transportation Committee Chairman Howard Brookins, been of what ward? 21st. My God. Brookins <laughs> called for a momentary recess when Alderman returned. Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor of the 20th Ward sided with Moore. Taylor called the, stu- uh, the substitute ordinance, quote, very disrespectful to Moore and his co-sponsor, Alderwoman Sophia King, and the proposal they have, quote, worked very hard on for two years. Alderwoman JT Jeanette Taylor said, quote, this is important to the black community. How hard is that? This is crazy. Uh, hey, Ben, there you go. Well, I'll tell you this about JT. She's willing to stand up, not just on this issue, but in issues like TIFFs, on issues like the Obama Center. See, I give I give Alderman, like, if you're really going to take a stand on, on a matter that's challenging, how power is used in Chicago, how money is spent, I applaud you, like, earn the right. 
Like, I'm an alderman. Didn't David Moore vote for, against the elected school board in the, uh, uh, I believe so. Don't quote me on that, D. I believe as a committeeman, he voted against the Frank! I was, a little, <laughs> I was a little surprised to see that. So, um, anyway, well, I'm sure we're going to get into that uh, uh, with David uh, Glowitz next week when he comes on the show. And there it was, a rated R special of everyone's favorite fictitious daily Chicago political soap opera, episode 476 <laughs> of a mayor and her alderman. A mayor and her alderman. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. If you think we want to fuck you, then who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? (laughs) Raylo. Seriously, let's clean our uh, mouths, city of Chicago. All right. Never gets old. We have just one more Chicago story to discuss. And these days, quite frankly, it's barely Chicago news anymore, thank God. Former Mayor uh, Rahm Emanuel. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Whatever that means. As President Joe Biden prepares to announce his world ambassadors, the news has surfaced yet again. The following headline comes from the Washington Post. And in a weird way, I hope it's true because he will officially no longer be Chicago's problem. (laughs) The headline reads, Biden close to naming diplomats, including former Mayor Rahm Emanuel, as ambassador to Japan. Uh, Ben, give us a percentage here. What are Rahm's chances of getting this stupid job? I'd say it's 50-50. You know, I, it's clear that Joe Biden wants to reward Rom with something. Why, I do not know. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, Rom is so reviled by lefties and the Democratic Party uh, and uh, by a lot of black people who aren't even particularly left because of the way he uh, buried the Laquan McDonald video. So, you know... I they couldn't Biden wasn't going to give him a job where he had like control over budgets and like the livelihood of Americans where he would like have to give pronouncements on policies that may be really embarrassing, you know, like when he still hasn't adequately defended why he closed the schools or why he closed the mental health clinics or why he uh, buried the Laquan McDonald uh, video. Uh, so, yeah, send him to Japan, you know, out of sight, out of mind. He'll be he'll be uh, adding more names to his uh, his phone, you know, and all contacts, cutting deals, getting set up for when he's done being ambassador. He'll suddenly have deals with Japan. So good for you, Rom. He always lands on his feet, huh? He always lands. That said something nice about him, didn't it? Good for you, Rom. Landed on your feet. Good for you. Good for you. And, uh, and, you know, once you go to Japan a few times and you can't understand what that one word they're saying is, uh, that's uh, Japanese for (laughs) douchebag. The Japanese are going to be like, you thought this was good? I mean, on the other hand, here we go. Ambassadors are supposed to be great diplomats. Rom's never been known to be a diplomat. If you disagree with him, he gives you the finger. You know, he cusses you out. <laughs> He's got this reputation for being an A number one jerk. Yeah. Dip- so, like, why would, you, why is it, why would you send him to a country that you want to 
you know, strengthen your relationships with. I he Joe, he must be calling Joe Biden day day and night. Uh, Joe, uh, I'm smart. You're not yeah, dipshit. Yes, diplomat. No, not so much. So I don't know. All right, let's what talk. Do I know D. Uh, just a podcast show, host in my attic. That's true. Um, now let's talk some statewide news. We do have some breaking statewide news to discuss. <laughs> The following comes from Axios.com. Illinois Representative Sherry Bustos announced today she will retire from Congress in 2022 after completing her current term. Bustos, who was first elected to Congress in 2012, is the former Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee chair. The lawmaker's retirement could be a chance for Republicans to swipe her seat with Illinois' 17th district moving swiftly to the right in recent years. Here's the quote from Bustos, quote, my North Star has always been to serve my community. It's been an honor to be a voice for out family farmers, working families, those struggling to afford health care, and many more. Ben, are you shocked at all by this news? And like me, are you uh, beginning to wonder, is there any more to this story? Sherry Bustos, did you do something bad? No, I, I uh, think she just wants to spend more time with her family. Uh, she probably read the tea leaves, as uh, the story indicated, the area, uh, her margin of victory keeps falling. But see, we have a redistricting coming up. And we, by the way, Rob Perrell uh, is a, one of our uh, demographer. Rob Perrell will be uh, one of our weekend bonus shows. And he'll be talking about redistricting and the, the demographic changes in the state of Illinois. And this is why I always urge uh, my fellow Democrats not to give up control of the map making. Now, I know that in a perfect world, we would have fair mapping where it wouldn't be uh, nonpartisan. And it would be done by commissions of people who do not have an allegiance to one party or another. Uh, and it would be national. Every state of the union, Republican states or states with Republican majorities and their uh, legislators and Republican governors and Democrats. But we don't live in such a perfect world, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a world where only Democrats consider giving up their power of map making and Republicans hoard it. I talk about this all the time. The fair map movement in the, in the state of Illinois is a game for suckers. Unless you make it a national fair map. Some of my dear friends uh, of the progressive persuasion, they're just so nice. They're like, Ben, you have to think about this. I go, no, come on. You're fighting to take government away from, from MAGA. Why would you let MAGA have control? Anyway, it's my long way of saying, D, when they're done with that map, they may take portions of Bustos district and spread it out so it fortifies uh, Democrats. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Undercuts Republicans. There's all kinds of creative things map makers can do uh, with boundaries. If you, want, if you want examples, take a look what the Republican creative map makers have done in Wisconsin and Michigan and Texas and Pennsylvania and North Carolina. So I, you know, when they're done with that map, Lord knows what that old congressional district is going to look like. And Lord knows who it's going uh, to take, uh, take care of, if you will. All right. And, um, 
As you know, it's just a matter of time until a wicked game of Illinois political musical chairs takes place, and soon enough we will be hearing the names of potential candidates to replace Bustos. Only a matter of time. Ben, any uh, names that come to mind as early front runners? Well, no, I can't say because I, I got to see what the district is going to look like. See, that's the whole uh, thing. So it could be that her district will be uh, swallowed up by with or added to Lauren Underwood's district. Uh, or Sean Caston's district, uh, or maybe moved south. You know, again, it, it all depends with the, the creative map makers when they're done with creativity. Then we'll have a sense. It could be that they do the, they use her district to protect Adam Kinzinger. You know, there's we talked about this with Jacob Kaplan the other day. Some some strategists of the Democratic Party think it's a good idea to keep Adam Kinzinger uh, in Congress because then he won't be running statewide, where he'd be a potential threat to Tammy Duckworth or J.B. Pritzker. And it's good just to have one Republican in Congress who's unafraid of Trump. So maybe they'll use Sherry Bustos district to fortify Adam Kinzinger and then, un, you know, undercut Mary Miller downstate. It's a lot of imaginations that are going to be happening when they start redoing the districts. So this is just round one of it. This is, I guess, Sherry Bustos's way of saying, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of this. You don't have to create a district to save me. I'm dropping out of the game. So you're saying both aisles. We'll be playing musical chairs. Oh yeah, and I uh, yeah. Let's hope, and let's hope it's the Republicans who are like, "Oops, I don't have a chair." Oh, sorry. <laughs> and finally, not much to talk about when it comes to Governor Pritzker this week. Uh, so we're just gonna move right ahead. Face coverings. Yes, that's right. Face coverings, Governor Pritzker. Uh, slow week for our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. But hey, here's a name you don't hear much these days. And hallelujah, if you ask me, former Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner. Yes, former Illinois Governor Rauner was in the news this morning. And in his first lengthy interview since losing the 2018 governor's race, Bruce Rauner spoke to Richard Babcock, the former Chicago Magazine editor, about his four embattled years in Springfield. Ben, what do we know about old uh, Dickie Babcock? You know, he was the, uh, the publisher of Chicago Magazine back in the day when I uh, freelanced for them. I met him once. I think I may have been ushered into uh, his office. Really? It was like kind of a, a weird thing. I was a freelance writer, and so I would go to the offices of these publications that I was freelancing for, and I'd get to meet the, the boss. Oh, come on in, son. Have a seat. And he would, you know, they always have a nice office. How you doing? You know, tell me a little bit about you. Uh-huh. And then at some point, like their assistant would come in and go, um, oh, Mr. Babcock, your uh, three o'clock appointment is here. And then, all right, son, nice to meet you. That's my vague memory. Uh, I could be mixing him up with some other editor, that, but that's generally how you get ushered in to meet the. Well, he got the scoop and we didn't, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, he went to Dartmouth. I didn't go to Dartmouth. So damn it, why couldn't you have gone to Dartmouth? <laughs> damn it. Uh, but uh, Rauner spoke of his gubernatorial tenure and poured out his awkward, gangly heart. He told Babcock for a profile in the Dartmouth Alumni Magazine. Uh, Rauner said that politics is, quote, brutally hard. It's nasty. It's dirty and ugly. There's a big sacrifice. I lost 22 pounds in most of my hair in the four years. The stress level, worrying about the well-being of 12 and a half million people all day, every day. Yeah, you signed up for it, by the way. Uh, while the press is kicking the stuffing out of me every day, 
Oh, and my enemies are trying to kill me every day. My goodness, it was hard. But uh, I loved most of it. I mean, 80 to 90% of it I loved. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Babcock said Rauner doesn't think his administration was a failure, citing accomplishments in education reform, criminal justice, and, of course, the lawsuit against AFSME, the large public sector union challenging the union's right to collect dues from non-members where the Supreme Court came down in Rauner's favorite. The former GOP governor's greatest challenge, writes Babcock, quote, was straightening out the miserable condition of the state's finances. Rounder, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Rounder blame, actually wrote that? Yeah, yeah. Rounder blames Democratic legislators for thwarting his efforts. By Rounder's account, their only solution was to raise taxes. The, com- oh the conflict essentially hamstrung his administration. Uh, Rounder said, quote, uh, Some people say politics is like war. I think it's kind of true. It's war without bullets. The violence is verbal. It's not physical. The bullets are violent votes there's more of this but it's ridiculous ben your thoughts oh my god i can't believe any self-respecting journalist would write such garbage bruce ronner got elected in 2014 was it yes and immediately held the state of illinois hostage and his whole goal his whole mission was destroy collective bargaining rights in this state and he the way he was going to do that was force the democrats to agree to his union busting legislation if they wanted a budget passed the state of Illinois' finances was in horrific shape for all four years. For him to claim that he left the government in better financial standing than he inherited is absolutely ridiculous. Say what you will about Pat Quinn. And I happen to be a fan of Pat Quinn. He comes on the, just on the show the other day. But he had a deal with the state of Illinois in the middle of a horrific recession. Bruce Rauner inherited the government when the economy was picking up and left it in miserable shape. No budgets. The university's crying for money. Good God. What? Is, how could anybody write such stuff or allow him to say such nonsense? It was all about fortifying the power of people like Bruce Rauner by destroying the collective bargaining rights of working people. And, and that bit about how tough government is, this guy, Bruce Rauner, made his reputation by running a company that bought companies, other companies, fired their employees, and then sold the companies. That's more rough and tumble than anything he had inherited in government. I remember, remember the one when he first got elected? Uh, to the, the Tribune broke this story. I got to give the Tribune credit. This is the one where his company brought up, brought up some kind of a nursing home business that had been hit with all these multi-million dollar wrongful death suits. And when the people try to collect on their money, they discovered that it was quote unquote owned by some guy named Barry, who was a graphic designer. Didn't even know he owned the company. How is <laughs> you telling me a guy who was in that business, Bruce Rauner is shocked by how brutal it is in government and whining about the press Dude, it's not the press's fault that you broke your... He got in trouble largely because he made one promise on abortion to people like Terry Cosgrove when he said he was pro-choice. And then when he he got in government, he tried to alleviate the concerns of people like Jeannie Eyes by saying, don't worry, I'll break every promise I ever made. And now you're going to blame that on the press? It's the press's fault? Give me a... Give 
me a break. Well, I'll tell you one publication I'm not going to read for anything vaguely resembling <laughs> truth, and that's the Dartmouth Alumni Magazine. What a joke. A hard-hitting investigative story. Yeah, sorry about that, Babcock. And finally, uh, and about whether he might run again, uh, Bruce Rauner said, quote, I might run again someday if I ever get my wife comfortable with it. <laughs> oh, God. What a de- First of all, I don't know if you could get the nomination from uh, the MAGA controller. They're so mad at you because of the way you handled abortion. Your whole life, you were pro-choice. And when you ran for office in 2014, you took out that ad in which you told all uh, the pro-choice voters in Illinois, don't worry, I'm not going to touch abortion rights. I'm just going after unions. Well, and, and, and a lot of the uh, liberals, my good liberal friends from the North Shore, it's going to leave abortion rights so alone. Just go after unions. I'm okay with that. And, and uh, then he betrayed, he betrayed them uh, by cutting the deal with the genie Ives of the world. Then he broke out of the deal with the genie Ives of the world, which really irritated the uh, pro-choice people. So, Bruce, good luck. <laughs> finding a party to run on uh, in Illinois in the, the year, what would it be? 2022. Yeah, just keep being some weird rich guy. That's, you know, that's funny. Oh, and uh, Tina, Tina on the live stream chat. It's her first day. You're fitting in very well, Tina. Don't be a stranger. Come back. Uh, she says, oh yeah. And Bruce Rauner failed at ruining collective bargaining. When he did that, even Republicans named him the worst governor. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. We had fun with that one. It was a terrible governor. It was an embarrassment to the state of Illinois. And, uh, you know, only the Dartmouth Review. Well, I don't even know what the magazine is called. Dartmouth News. (laughs) Hey, we got a scoop. I got an interview with Bruce Rauner, who is rated the worst governor in Illinois. All right. Guys, how'd you think that was going to help Dartmouth? I don't know. Maybe Rauner promised that if... Put my interview in there. I'll contribute money to Dar. Hey, maybe that happened. You know, I bear. I get. I bet that happened. <laughs> like one hundred percent. I think. By the way, I think it's called the Dartmouth. Ah, so there it was, everybody. Wow, a lot went down this week in Chicago and or Illinois, but we're glad uh, you uh, hung out with us here uh, as we recapped everything. Remember, you can download this show. If you missed any of it, you're listening live, you can download this, chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts, along with a thousand other episodes of this show. All right? Go go check them out, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky or ever else you download podcasts. Uh, We do have have some weekend interviews for you to check out as well so make sure you do that find us on social media at benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show on facebook twitter and instagram you could send us an email benny j show at gmail.com b-e-n-n-y the letter j show at gmail.com and you can call the ben jarofsky show it's true 708-658-478 Eight. The number again, 708-658-478. 
888. You know, we've been waiting a while. We haven't got a uh, voicemail in a while. Leave us a voicemail. Maybe uh, Jim, he stepped away from the live stream chat, and he used to do the Chicago Bulls trivia. Uh, maybe you can step in for Jim. Do some Chicago Bulls trivia. 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Say whatever the hell you want. We do not care. We would love to hear from you. All right, excellent job. I want to uh, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all in Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Bruce Rahner, Dick, Dick Babcock, and everybody else who graduated from Dartmouth will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Water Survey at the University of Illinois Great Research Institute is Illinois State Climatologist Trend Board. This past week, on the crossing people like weather, average temperatures over the last seven days range from the low 40s to low 60s across the state, one to four degrees above normal for this time of the year. There's just one day to go for the month. April average temperatures have been within two degrees of the 1981 to normal statewide. Off the very northwest corner of the state saw some measurable precipitation this week. Seven day totals range from less than a tenth of an inch along the Wisconsin border. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.